Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Today we're going to talk about pain. It's something that everyone experiences slightly differently, and there are a lot of different causes for this. There are some medical causes for this that can occur in various parts of your body that can really make living your life seem extremely uncomfortable. And these days we do know that there are efforts to try and reduce the use of chronic pain medicine in an effort to help people to not wind up taking something that could have significant harm. But what does that do to folks who might need some of these medications in order to help them to function in their daily lives? Are there other techniques and things they can do to help themselves, not just to feel better with what they do in activity-wise, but also just to feel better about some things that are going well in their life? Where do they find comfort, and how can they maximize focusing on those areas to really help themselves feel better in a more holistic fashion? Well, today we are joined again by Dr. Daniel Liv. You have been on the show a couple of times before, and I'm happy you're back to join us and talk a little bit about why this is an important topic now and why we need to pay close attention to what we're doing for those people who might be experiencing chronic pain. So thanks for joining you me. You bet. Such a pleasure to be back. Uh, actually, why it's uh, important now, it's been important for a lot of years, but now people are becoming more aware um, even since the 90s when, when folks uh, in pain were given uh, more relief through the medical world, meaning um, pain medications, uh, there was an awareness. But over the years, there's an awareness of a way to work with folks to feel better. Um, <clears throat> so now, obviously, in a way, it's because of the opiate crisis that's out there. And a lot of those uh, drugs were created for people in chronic pain, even though people in chronic pain are not necessarily uh, the addicts that we hear dying all the, of the time. Um, they are taking this medication to help them felt, feel better. But the problem is, like anything else, it's limited. So... Um, since many studies have come out over the last 20 years, it's very clear that this is a major problem. About a third of the country, third of the population in the United States are dealing with some form of chronic pain. And if we can do things to help them or, or train people to figure out ways they can get more comfortable in addition to a, a certain level of pain medication, then that is the best goal. And um, so that's what I'm hoping we can talk about. Now, you mentioned a very important uh, concept, which is we hear about this opioid crisis. We hear about people dying of opiate overdoses, but that's not necessarily the folks who are using pain medication, following up with their providers, being monitored regularly, and taking it as prescribed. That they tend not to be the people that we're hearing about overdosing. That may be more of the illegal drug component. And there is a connection. There are a lot of folks who might be using some of the illegal drugs that might have started out taking medicine for a shoulder injury, a back surgery, some sort of procedure that they had. So they started out with the best of all thoughts and intentions and then became somewhat dependent on that and could not get the medicine any further. Those are the people that may have turned to some other types of, of drugs that are not going to be something that we would prescribe. And that is the subset of the population that we're seeing significantly affected. The person who's following all their instructions and guidelines might not be the one who is at the hugest risk. Precisely. I mean, the folks that are using their medication responsibly. I just saw a fellow, lovely man, 
Uh, and some insurance companies are actually requiring people on their policy who are receiving opiate medication to see a psychologist. And that's fine, except if they are functioning, like this gentleman is functioning just fine on a few Norco a day. He's doing things. His mood's up. He's, he's active. He's not overly focused on the pain. He doesn't necessarily need to see me. However, I could and um, would show a person uh, other skills they can use to enhance the the uh, relief they're already getting from the medication because, you know, medication is limited in how well it works and how much you can have. So these people, you're right, are not the drug addicts that we're thinking of. These are just average folks. And the crime, unfortunately, is too many physicians, for a lot of good reasons, are hesitant now uh, to give the medication because they're worried about either DEA or, or, or making things difficult for the patient, where actually they're very safe. Well, and that certainly has changed. You know, Senate Bill 505 passed last year in the Hawaii legislature that required all use of any type of opiate to be limited to an initial seven-day supply unless you're on chronic medicine. The uh, physician drug monitoring program has to be, the PDMP has to be looked at. Mm -hmm. And so there's a variety of different requirements. And I know that a lot of folks, a lot of my colleagues have said, I don't want to have to do that. I'm just not going to prescribe opioid or narcotic pain medications at all. And yet that's not necessarily the best answer for people who might be on this medication and need it to fulfill their general activities of daily living. But you're right, that that frustration level with some of the new administrative requirements has led to some difficulties with people getting access to medicines that they might have been on for several years. And that becomes one of the concerns is not wanting to take that away from them, Mm -hmm. but to add other things in addition. Now, one of the aspects that you really have focused on is not where does it hurt, but where does it feel good? Why is it helpful to focus on that sort of perspective shift to help people in their dealing with living with chronic pain? Yeah, it's it's sort of common, whether it's in psychology or just human nature. If we keep thinking negative thoughts, if I keep thinking my life's over because I have chronic pain, sadly it creates a self-fulfilling prophecy that I will start to get depressed, I'll get stressed out, create stress hormones, I get my muscle tension, all of that makes the pain worse. And uh, again, one understanding of how pain works, uh, after uh, experiencing it for a while, it's not so much like my back uh, is injured, it's that the nervous system has been trained now and is now hypersensitive to pain signals. And there are ways that we can learn how to desensitize that nervous system and help a person to uh, do much better. But if we're focusing on how terrible life is and things like that, unfortunately, uh, life becomes that way. When we look at trying to focus and, and to reorient ourselves to thinking about how things are going well, that's not to ignore that there's other areas that aren't. No, it, it, it's being real. So if my I can't lift 50 pounds, I won't say, I feel so good, I'm just going to lift 50 pounds because I will damage my back. It's being realistic. But starting to notice, uh, using a question I like to ask uh, uh, my clients a lot is, what have you been noticing lately, large or small, that you want to see happen? more in your life. It's already happening. And what would that be? And and people, when I'm running uh, groups uh, doing uh, this comfort skills training, a form of pain management, 
and and uh, we go around, people start uh, noticing some interesting things. I slept two more minutes on Wednesday. It could be that small, but over time, it starts to grow and grow. When you start to notice, what do I feel happy about today? What was what do I feel thankful for? Strangely enough, that raises our mood and desensitizes the nervous system to pain. Well, and that's one of the goals is to not have to experience as much pain and be uncomfortable, but not necessarily to ignore it. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Daniel Lev. We are talking today about what are some of the comfort skills that people can learn to help themselves to achieve their daily level of functioning in such a way that they feel productive, but they also acknowledge that they may have some limitations and learn how to move beyond that and live healthy and happy and productive and, in some cases, with chronic pain. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about some of these skills that really are life skills that we could use for a variety of different areas. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio with Dr. Daniel Lev, and we're talking today about how to manage chronic pain. What are some of the things that people can do that'll help them to continue to be able to live their lives and go about their daily activities, but not necessarily be as impaired by some of the pain symptoms that they may have. And it's not about ignoring it, but it's about trying to find a new way to reestablish maybe what their new normal may be. Now, right before the break, we talked briefly about comfort skills, and you have written books about comfort skills. What exactly are they? Well, let's say one book. (laughs) It's called You Are Bigger Than the Pain. Um, so comfort, first of all, looking at misery, we all kind of understand what misery is. And the way I define it simply is, is experiencing negative feelings and negative thoughts and expectations. And if we focus on, it's where we put our attention, we focus on those things, it makes us more miserable. Uh, if I think about my girlfriend who I broke up with uh, in 1967, I'm going to start getting depressed, even though it was a long, long time ago. But The opposite of misery is comfort, and that's where we start focusing on positive things in our life and expectations and feelings and activities. So the comfort skills can guide people in doing that. As a pain psychologist, this is my particular approach to to helping people not so much manage pain uh, because that puts us uh, focusing on pain, but instead to focus on how to get more comfortable around the pain. For those of you, uh, those of you listening, haven't heard me speak about this before. I know I've said it several times, but the comfort skills are in uh, six different categories, uh, and each category contains a certain number of skills. For example, refocusing skills, training a person how to refocus their attention away from the pain and more towards something neutral or positive. And it's not even so much getting away from the pain; just let it be there. As I start to put my attention on sitting on the beach and watching the waves come in and out. And of course, I'm going to get distracted by feelings or thoughts um, that may be uncomfortable and then let that go as best I can and come right back to watching the ocean. Now, it's not cha- it is challenging at first, but over time, you get better and better at controlling your attention. And when you control your attention, you start to notice your body feels better. 
more times. So this could be something that someone does. You know, you could physically go to the ocean. Mm-hmm. You could mentally go to the ocean. Absolutely. Uh, imagery is very powerful. I've worked with a number of people. And when they're done, uh, sometimes I'll guide them through it. They guide themselves and they say, God, I I felt the spray of the waves on my face. I mean, you know, they can really experience it. And when you do that, the brain doesn't know the difference. And you start to increase your positivity in your brain. Your mood goes up and the sensitivity of the your nervous system and brain to pain goes down. And so people say, I feel better. Just had a person today. I did that with a simple kind of relaxation exercise. And he came out of it and he said, I feel so, so much better. And it wasn't even so much about pain. It was just he felt good. Even though the pain was there, it wasn't bothering him as much. I kind of think about it like if you're going to go buy a new car, Mm-hmm. and you want to buy a red car, you will see every other red car on the road. Yes. And they will like, you'll be like, how are there so many red cars? I've never noticed this many. Mm-hmm. But it's because that's where you put your attention. Exactly. You're looking at red cars. So in this case, if you're looking at pain, like my back hurts, for example, mm-hmm. everything you look at will be looked at with my back hurts, I stand up, it hurts, I sit down, it hurts, I lay down, it hurts, I turn, it hurts. If you think about something that provides you comfort, mm-hmm. like you mentioned the imagery of the beach, or even just, you know, my back might be bothering me, but boy, my shoulders feel great. And they feel fabulous. And my neck feels really comfortable. So it could just be focusing, not just on another part of your your psychological mm-hmm. well-being mm-hmm. that is somewhere else. Could it also be just focusing on a part of your body that feels good? Yeah, any of those things. But by the way, if you are feeling pain, you can use that. So it's not like I'm going to pretend like it's not there because that's not going to happen. But you say, oh, I'm aching a little more now. That means I need to stop what I'm doing now and take a break. So you can listen. You can use that as a measure of when I need to take breaks. So that's another set of skills. I call it the moving skills different kinds of things we move through, like physical activity, sleep, setting goals, and what to do when we have a pain flare. So paying attention to it is fine, but not dwelling on it and obsessing on it, which many of the folks I work with start that way, and then they start to let things go, whether they've read my book or or just working with me, and they start to take their life back. And wherever your attention is, that's where you are. And that's truly the goal is to have people be able to get that quality of life back that they used to have mm-hmm. and or find a new quality of life in a in a way that will help them to not necessarily be having their whole world encompassed by this chronic pain wherever in their body it may be. So you mentioned that moving and using the signs and symptoms as a way to change your physical activity level, to use it as a signal. You know, it's telling you something. Mm -hmm. Listen to what your body is saying. Get up and move if you're uncomfortable. Do Mm -hmm. more exercise or activity. Just do a 10-minute stretch if that's going to make you feel better physically because that's important. And I think a lot of folks, you know, if you're working in an office environment or if you're working in an environment where you don't have that ability to get up and take a 10-minute walk because you're by phones or whatever, that this is really important to listen to what your body is saying. Mm -hmm. And even if it's standing up or getting a standing desk or doing something that will physically be able to help you in that environment, finding what that is and then pursuing that. Absolutely. I mean, you know I have a private practice in Holly Eva a couple days, and then I work in Dr. Miskovich's uh, premier uh, 
a medical group in Hawaii, and it's starting a pain program soon. And, and one of the people works there is is Dr. Ozell, and she is uh, a a pain physical therapist. She specializes in that. And this is the very thing she does. She will show people certain things they can do to help them get through a potential pain flare. One of the skills I, m- I mentioned is noticing. So noticing the first signs or triggers of a pain flare, you can then use the other skills to prevent it or at least uh, minimize it. All right. We're going to talk more about that comprehensive approach to different team members addressing pain in just a few moments. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Daniel Lev, and we are talking about ways to approach living with chronic pain. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about what this comprehensive approach is going to include and who are the team members that are going to be part of it. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Daniel Lev. And we are talking today about how to approach chronic pain, not from the perspective of what hurts, but from the perspective of what feels good, what makes you find comfort, what are some things that, as you mentioned, you want more of, Mm -hmm. something good that happened that you want to happen more of. Actually, if I can say one of those things is it's another category uh, in my system is uh, enjoying And that means starting to get back to some of the things you enjoyed, but just doing them differently, doing them in a way that doesn't exacerbate uh, the pain process. And one of those things is laughter. And like when I'm doing classes, I will show YouTube videos of of comedy scenes to get people to laugh. Because when we laugh, you're probably aware of it. It releases good chemicals in the body, desensitizes the nervous system, does all kinds of good things. So that's a really wonderful example of getting back to something positive is laughing, doing things you enjoy, even getting into some of the – what. Called developing your per, your positive qualities, you know. So a person who gives, if they engage in that more, then they start to raise their mood and and they feel better. Period. And that's really that's really the goal. Now you've alluded to working at a premier comprehensive pain office, and that's something that we're going to hear some more from the folks who are involved in that in the next couple of weeks. Because that's putting them on the spot. Yes, isn't it? <laughs> you're going to tell them when you get back, you're going to be on. But the idea is that, you know, what may have happened before is that you might just see one person and they might just prescribe you a medicine or tell you what to do or something like that. But the the idea of getting this team-based approach, of looking at this from a holistic perspective, including all different modalities of treatment, and having that all focused on one individual, to have them be able to pick and choose which one of these different treatment options help them the most, that's something we don't really have available yet. Well, this is a team approach. I worked for Kaiser for many years in a team, and it's called an interdisciplinary chronic pain uh, management program. And uh, this is what we're going to have here in Kaneohe uh, have, and we're going to expand it, and not only expand it there, but eventually in town and elsewhere. But um, it's not just, oh, which one of these treatments do I want? But we meet the person, we'll talk with them, each of the three main uh, orientations, physical therapy, psychology, and medicine, 
and uh, figure out what kinds of things could, they can benefit from, maybe massage, maybe acupuncture, the things that we do. And so we coordinate the care to benefit the person, to fit what their needs are. And that's, that's the, the core of a team approach and an interdisciplinary approach. And that's what we're offering. Well, and it puts the, the patient at the center of this. Absolutely. And so if they have a problem for which acupuncture would be ideal, they may want to consider that. Uh-huh. If acupuncture would not necessarily help their specific problem, then maybe they want to look at more of the physical therapy, occupational therapy mm-hmm. approach. Depending on what their situation is, it's really personalized and targeted to their specific needs. And numerous options. This is the thing when you just do what I call doctor care only. You're going from one doctor to another, and it's kind of like the old saying, uh, when the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. They only have one thing they can offer, and it's good, but it's not enough. And so we, we are offering many more options. And in the p- programs I've worked in in my life in, the, in this career, same thing. We're offering different options, and some of those might be more better than others, but uh, we're going to offer them and see what happens. I'm certain that in your various areas where you've worked and in your many years of experience, you have some folks who have been extremely successful through the process that they've gone through with some of the work that you do with the comfort skills, but also some of the work that you see your colleagues do. Mm -hmm. Do any stories stick out in your mind? Oh, my goodness, so many. Uh, An elderly gentleman, well, not so elderly, 69 today is not that elderly, had uh, polyarthritis. So just arthritis, all kinds everywhere. He was on a walker. He was an engineer. And I have this way of measuring how comfortable you are. I call it a comfort journal. Just imagine one up to 10 is the higher you go, the better you feel. So he started uh, learning hypnosis with me and other skills too. And he'd come in and he was an engineer. So he said, I have to redo this this uh, list because uh, I feel better than a 10. So then he comes in with a 1 to 20 scale. And then he comes in with a 1 to 50 scale. And the last time I, I saw him, he got rid of his walker. He's using a cane or he'd lean on his wife. Uh, she was actually younger than him. <laughs> and, um, and he was at 940. Now, he practiced four times a day for about a half hour. So, you know, skills, it's kind of like with pills, it's how many pills you take. With skills, it's how much time you're going to put into increasing your comfort level. And this particular skill, hypnosis, was very useful for him. So he's just one of many people (laughs) who benefit. Leave it to an engineer to rewrite the the program and decide, I, I don't like your scale. I need a different yeah, scale. exactly. But good for him because yeah. the other aspect is that you want people to adopt these skills and then personalize them and make the approach work for them as well. That it may not be that that scale is going to work for everyone. And in fact, someone might use a different, you know, sometimes people use emojis or some other form oh, yeah. of expression that they connect with. And that's kind of the idea. Oh, totally. I, I tell them, you know, I'm the big expert, but I'm not in your pants. You are in your pants. You are in your life. You have to decide. And, and w- another kind of image I suggest is a, a combo pizza. What is on your combo pizza? Maybe you're going to pick certain skills uh, that will work just for you, even though when we do these classes, we do an eight-week course a couple times a week to train people comprehensively from the psychologist and the physical therapist in ways you can get more comfortable. And, you know, they're going to learn a lot of things. They may not need all of them, or they may pick certain ones. And I've seen uh, some of my clients that do that. They will pick certain skills. Some love hypnosis. Others love laughing. They do all kinds of things, and they are better by the end of it. I'm not saying they're cured, but they're happier. They're more active overall. 
and then we have uh, ongoing groups, and those people go to doctors so much less, and actually they're happy about that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there is a, a point at which when you see doctors so much, you'd love to not have to, mm-hmm. to see them because you're doing well. Yeah. Now, when you look at some of those folks that have done well, your engineer, he was really motivated. He was excited. He wanted to do it. Have you had people that are really skeptical that you kind of have to win over to have them think about this refocusing approach? Oh, absolutely. When, when I'm teaching the class or talking to folks, I tell them, don't believe me. Try these things on and see what happens. As long as you're doing them uh, in the most effective way, you'll get an idea if this is for you or not. And there are people I say, you know what? There are two kinds of pain. There's the pain in your body and there's the pain of change. Now, you know, it's a bit of a pain. You know, I got to sit and meditate for a while and laugh and start moving my body and doing all. It's a big, it could be a pain. So I ask, which is the bigger pain? If the pain in your body's bigger, you're going to be doing these practices. If the pain of change is bigger, you'll just deal with the pain, no big deal, and no problem. So it's really not up to me to tell or convince someone they need to do this. I just know there are a lot of people that benefit. And that's why I actually moved to the islands, because I was doing this in Northern California. And I know not many people know about pain psychologists and interdisciplinary pain programs. And so I'm really glad to see folks start using them and they benefit. Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned you're not there to convince anyone. No, because it's they have to convince themselves. Oh, yeah. If they're ready to make this leap mm-hmm. and to do something that may require changing some of the ways that they spend their time, mm-hmm. this is this is the motivated person who wants to do it. They're going to see a benefit. Can I say one cool thing about the groups is here we're sitting in a group. First of all, you never have to explain yourself. Everybody knows what you're going through. Uh, and, you know, sometimes relatives, oy, oy, oy. but uh, the other thing is that as we go around and I ask people what they're noticing is different, you start hearing people talking about how things are getting better and that can inspire other folks to actually use these skills and successfully and feel better. I'm always humbled by the concept of the group support that I think we underestimate how that, how much support we can get from people who are walking the same journey that we are. And it's not just that misery loves company, but people who start to break out of that really inspire everyone else to want to also feel better and to try some of the same things. It's this synergistic effect that can help people to do a lot better than they ever did before just because they're getting excited, getting motivated and want to. It's like contagious. You want to take part in that wonderful opportunity that you see somebody else doing as well. Yeah, I, I teach social psychology and it's something, uh, a field called social neurosci- uh, neuroscience. And basically our brains are built to work in groups and, and develop great support and strength when we're in groups. So uh, groups are a very important part of the programs I've done and that we're doing in Kaneohe. And that'll continue to be part. Oh, totally, totally. It's it's so necessary. I can work with people individually, but you get so much more out of a group, which is not group therapy, but it's like a combination of training and support. And I think that's the key is that it's the one area where you will learn from someone else a lot more effectively than you might learn, even respectfully, from the teacher. Totally. If you sit next to somebody who's been in that same position, you're likely to learn some of the things that they've learned, and maybe they have a technique and a skill that they've that works for them that they can share with you. So I, I absolutely agree. So the members of this team-based based approach, this comprehensive approach, 
include movement like physical therapy, yourself as a pain psychologist, the medical component, and then also some of these additional services that you referenced, chiropractic, acupuncture, etc. I can't wait for this clinic to open. I'm looking forward to hearing from some of the other folks Mm -hmm. so that we can hear more about how people can take advantage of it. Well, like I said, we've been practicing, but April 1st is the formal opening. April Fool's Day. April Fool's open. Day. We want everybody to laugh when they walk in. You know, that's wonderful <laughs> because laughter truly is the best medicine. We are going to have to talk some more about this. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us today. You bet. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on Facebook. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week when we talk some more about ways to stay healthy and happy and be well all year long. That's going to be every Monday right here on The Body Show. We'll see you then. Woo!